Hello and welcome to our next episode of the Brown Girl Confessions podcast. I hope you're safe and well wherever you are and hopefully enjoying some well-deserved sunshine. So in this episode, we're excited to be joined by Angie Tavari, who is a yoga and meditation teacher. Whilst growing up, she was exposed to many Ayurvedic rituals and practices, a great amount of discipline, and the basics of yoga and its true essence was actually taught to her by her parents. Her yoga classes focus on bringing people's awareness back to yoga roots, respecting the ancient sacred Vedic practice, and ensuring people know yoga is simply not just about flexibility alone. We speak to Angie about her personal journey and how yoga has had a huge influence on her life so far. So, let's begin. So, thank you so much for joining us today, Angie. Um, I thought we'd start off with um, a quick introduction of yourself before we went into the questions. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much for having me, Indy. Um, it's lovely to speak with you. So I work as a yoga teacher. I also work at a tech company. Um, so I do kind of both of them side by side. And I um, live in London. So I predominantly teach in gyms or in studios at workplaces. Now, obviously, with lockdown, I've been teaching more online and doing virtual classes as well. Thank you. And I think... Um... I think the first question I was, and I've been wanting to ask this, um, is why is it so important to trace the history and the origins of yoga itself? Yeah, so, I mean, it all goes back to India. Um, so I probably mentioned as well, I'm British Indian, probably quite key to also mention. Um, so to go back to the origins, it, it's all come from the Vedas, which are four sacred texts. They're the oldest texts that were ever found in the world. They were written in Sanskrit. Um, found in India, and that was over 5,000 years ago. Um, and within the Vedas, you've got songs, mantras, rituals, and the practice of yoga. So it's all from there. Um, it's important because it's it's a really spiritual, sacred practice, and it's been passed down over those thousands of years. So people who practice yoga should acknowledge that, um, understand the history of it, respect the yogic scriptures, and also acknowledge the cultural appropriation of it, which a lot of people may not realize or know about. Okay. Um, yeah. And do you want to elaborate on what exactly that cultural appropriation looks like? Yeah, so, I mean, Indian culture and practices have been devalued since the British colonial rule, and yoga is one of those practices. So when the British ruled India, they actually viewed yogis to be really weird and strange and poor um they thought the rituals were quite unnecessary and so they actually banned hatha yoga within india mm. and then over 100 years later reappropriated it as being a physical practice fitness practice related you know and that's kind of what you see now because yoga is so popular in the west um yeah. with that has come whitewashing and the way that it's been mass marketed and commercialized and you rarely see an indian teacher um portraying yoga so it's mostly kind of affluent white slim teachers so the actual meaning and the concept of yoga has been diluted and simplified focused on being physical um you rarely hear about it being a spiritual practice yeah and those who go to yoga classes you will see postures that you'll move through but you won't hear as much about i guess the weird parts of yoga you know which can can be seen as kind of odd breathing techniques or the strange chanting practices there still is I think a bit of that um 
there's a weirdness um, to the mystical parts of yoga that I think still exists in today's world. Yeah, and I completely agree. I think there's definitely a less inclusive environment that's created mm -hmm. through that aspect, what you were mentioning in terms of it being more, or seeming that it's more for those who are affluent and of um, a particular background and color. Um, so through your practice of, of yoga and the classes that you do and run, how is that embodied where it's inclusive and that history is um, also maintained and, and preserved through the classes that you run? Yeah, so I always try and bring it back to, um, I think it's important to know what the word actually means, like the etymology of the word mm -hmm. yoga. It's from a Sanskrit word, uh, yuj or yoke, and that means to unite. So taking it back again to the yogic scriptures, they believe that by practicing all these different rituals, you're bringing everything within your body into alignment and you're training your mind to feel completely blissful because you, you reach this higher state of consciousness. Mm -hmm. um, and that can feel really difficult um, to achieve within a yoga class. Um, and I think that's that's it. You It comes back to people worrying about what a posture looks like and whether they can actually achieve that posture, whether they're flexible enough. You know, nine times out of 10, when people say they want to practice a class with me, the first thing they say is, I'm so inflexible, I'm going to be really bad at it. And mm -hmm. you always hear that. Um, so when I teach, I always try and bring it back to yoga is not about flexibility. There's something that comes with time. When you practice those physical postures, of course, you do become more and more flexible. But it's in no way the goal of yoga. Um, it comes back to that word unity. Yeah. And um, I always just make make sure that people know that it's their own practice. It's not you don't have to follow what me, the teacher, is guiding you through. You don't have to look at the person next to you in a class and think, oh, they can do that and I can't do it. Um, you should really focus on what your body feels like that day because everybody's mm -hmm. feeling different. Um, and be kind to yourself and be gentle with yourself and actually enjoy the practice instead of thinking, oh, I'm not flexible. I can't do X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Um, just enjoying it. Um, respecting the sacred elements of it. So I'll always try and practice, uh, go talk through breathing practices and chanting and meditation element rather than just the physical. But ultimately yoga embodies all of those different elements, you know, rather than just one. Yeah. Um, and as you mentioned before, um, there's been obviously a mass commercialization of yoga yeah. itself, especially in the Western world. How bad do you think it is in terms of now the way that it's practiced and how long do you think it would take to really educate others actually of actually what yoga is what it stands for what it means and to really respect the origins of it so i think i can see where people miss the goal of yoga because they compare it with any other fitness class that also lives alongside yoga within a gym timetable and i did that as well right like and then the thoughts go to what's the difference between yoga and Pilates? Why bother doing yoga when I can do a HIIT class and burn more calories? Because it is seen as that physical element only. Um, so I don't, I don't think that people necessarily need to go into the ins and outs of every single yoga kriya tradition because there are so many of them. Um, but it's more the fact that the practice is at the heart of Indian culture that's important mm -hmm. to know and to respect its ancient Eastern roots. And if I'm completely honest with you, I don't think just understanding that 
should take too long. It's just knowing, yeah. right? Then once you know that, you can explore more, find a teacher that doesn't just teach you physical postures, but then also um, teaches you a bit about the history. And that's really what teachers should be doing. You know, if you've done your teacher training, and, and so many people have, um, you are taught about philosophy, you're taught about the Vedas, you are taught about um, pranayama, the breathing techniques. You're not just taught to, from movement from one physical posture to the next. Yeah. Um, I was guilty of doing it when I finished my training. I came back and you, I think teachers feel the pressure to teach a class and mold it to the way that it will be welcomed positively in the West. Um, so I definitely felt that, but I think for people who practice, as, as soon as you understand that's the meaning of it, you know, do your own research because there's so much that you can learn online. Yeah. Um, and once you start reading and learning, you will be really fascinated in understanding its rich history and the rich culture, and you'll get more out of your practice than you do out of a HIIT workout or a Pilates class, because it's more than that. It is a spiritual, sacred practice. And in terms of, I guess, your experience in particular, what, I guess, when did you realize that this is something that you wanted to learn more about and help others? Um, uh, learn more about it as well through the classes that you do what inspired you to get into it and educate others about the benefits and the roots of the practice itself um so I have been doing yoga since I was a kid without really seeing it as yoga my my parents especially my mum would teach me um certain postures to do and um certain Ayurvedic rituals which again stem from the Vedas and Ayurveda and yoga are kind of sisters um in the way that their practices are so it's kind of started from a young age, but really only a couple of two or three years ago, I'd say, did I um, start practicing and start enjoying it. When I first started, I had um, this battle that I see lots of people have around being frustrated, getting angry, judging themselves. Um, and so for me personally, I, I had a bit of a love-hate relationship with it. I'll be completely honest, I really did. Yeah. Um, and it was only through when I was going through a difficult time and I would force myself to go to yoga because I knew it was good and you hear all this stuff, it's really beneficial. So I kind of just forced myself. Some classes were great, others I struggled with. And I just had this revelation where I really felt it was having this healing effect on me. And I really started noticing this difference. And I didn't go and train to be a teacher. I went to India to do my teacher training to learn more about the practice and to learn more about why I was feeling the way that I was. Because um, like, I get it, I get that frustration that people feel, but after experiencing the bliss that lies on the other side of that, and there's a lot of tears through that process, yeah. but you're met with such serenity and stillness and, and a slower way to live life that I didn't realize I needed, but I really did. Um, so that that's what that's the experience that I had and and I'm inspired to then kind of teach in a way that allows people to know that they can slow down you know your yeah. to-do to list will wait you don't need to always be doing and yoga can feel challenging because you feel like you should be doing 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 yeah um, but it's actually okay and really beneficial to just slow down um and you'll then see the benefits of that. You'll have a greater focus. You'll be able to breathe better. You'll sleep better. There are so many incredible benefits of yoga. 
Yeah, and I think it's, like you said, it's slowing down. And we mentioned about it kind of fitting into the concept of what um, the westernized world accepts in terms of that fitness culture, and it's very fast. Um, so I'd be intrigued to know, what does a class that you run look like? What's um, in terms of embodying um, and educating others about the history of it whilst teaching others? Yeah, so one of the first questions I get if someone's coming to class is, well, what, what type of class is it gonna be? Yeah. Um, is it vinyasa flow? Which is the, the main, you know, people think of yoga and most people think vinyasa flow, uh, which is vinyasa flow is, you know, it's a, a more of a dynamic practice. Again, it comes back to that idea of the fitness regime. So, and I, I never really have that in mind and, and in terms of what type or what style, like it, it's important for people to know how many different types of yoga there are. So, um, and I try and take an element from lots of different types and teach in that way. So bhakti yoga is the practice of devotion. So at the beginning and the end of every class, I'll always ask people to just pick something to dedicate their practice to. And that can be um, a word. It can be a person, maybe even themselves. Um, mm -hmm. Someone they love, maybe someone actually that they're really struggling with. That's always a nice one to kind of devote it to that person. Um, or maybe a statement beginning with the words I am and then ending however they want it. So I am strong, I am brave, I am calm, whatever they feel they want to devote while they practice their yoga to that. Okay. Um, and then there's lots of other types, you know, there's Iyengar that focuses more on structure, structural alignment of the asanas and heavily uses props to support. Um, Kundalini yoga is more about mantra chanting and I'll always try and include some sort of chanting in the class if I can. Yeah. Um, Ashtanga, very energetic, dynamic movement. You know, some classes are really hot and spicy in terms of how quickly you're moving through lots of plank postures, mm -hmm. um, really strong core work. So I try and teach a mix of everything. And I always say to people, you know, the, there's a different group of people that I'm teaching and they're all going through different things within their life. And they may wake up that day and feel that they just have no energy and then they should really take it slow and do maybe more of a yin slower restorative practice yeah others might feel more energized and be ready to do um something which is having more dynamic movements in it so yeah. i always try and say to everyone if there's anything that you don't feel right you listen to your body and come into child's pose or just take a rest and that's okay and make sure that you listen to your body first it's the first thing that you should do yeah i i really love that i think that slower pace, but also it being tailored towards what somebody's feeling on that day. Mm -hmm. um, because sometimes when you're in a yoga class, I've, I've been in quite a few yoga classes and you really feel like you need to step up your game others are doing so amazing and you're, and you're just not in the mental state to do all of that. Um, mm -hmm. And you'd like to go at a slower pace. So yeah, that's really nice. Um, uh, and then another question that just popped to my mind was um, around yoga teachers of color in particular. Um, why do you think that there's a lack of them and what barrier and are there any barriers if, if that's the case? Um, I mean, I think it comes back to just like what we talked about earlier on in terms of the way that yoga is viewed. And whenever I've been to a class, I've, I've generally seen um, slim white women taking the class and that's nothing against slim white women and i do want to um emphasize that 
you know, some of my favorite teachers have met, met those um, characteristics and it's nothing against that. Look, yoga is about unity. Yoga is not um, discriminative in, in any way, mm. but so it's not so much about that, but it's more about the lack of Indian teachers. Um, and also the age as well. You know, I had an incredible older Indian yoga teacher yeah. um, that was unfortunately asked to leave the the gym in which we were both teaching. And, you know, she really felt that it was to do with her age. And then that's such a shame because I I don't think she was making that up. I think she felt it was to do with her age and maybe she was a little bit bigger and maybe it was to do with her looks and she felt like she didn't match the criteria of other yoga teachers. Yeah. I think there must be many people who feel that way. Um, so okay. it, it's a real shame. It, need, it needs to change so that um, when you're taught a yoga class, you see that it embodies everyone's welcome and it is not exclusive to a certain group of people again coming back to the meaning of yoga it's about unity so it's something a practice that's transcended all of those years and is available for anyone to practice yeah and i i didn't i didn't think of it like that actually in terms of yeah there might actually be a presence of age discrimination and you know fitting into what that looks like in terms of uh, in terms of i guess them running classes and who's teaching um Yes, I think that's huge. Um, One thing as well, I just mm -hmm. mentioned that um, this incredible older Indian lady, she focused a lot on spirituality and mm -hmm. what is probably seen as the weird things. Um, and I, I think maybe that was it as well. Her classes were slower. We did a lot of chanting at the start. We did a lot of focus on pranayama, so the breathing techniques. And they weren't as popular as the other classes, which were a lot more dynamic, fast-paced, energetic. Yeah. And um, maybe it was to do with that as well in terms of the numbers, and maybe that comes back to the misunderstanding of yoga and the respect for those certain rituals and traditions. Yeah, I, and I think it, absolutely, and I think it's the culture. We live in such a fast-paced world. When, when we think about it, when I used to travel to London and go for what, it's crazy at, at what pace we work at and I think it maybe that is also a kind of element of maybe not feeling productive enough mm. because it's going slower um, and we always feel like we need to be getting things done otherwise we're not progressing but the need to reflect and take things slower is also quite beneficial um, and I, I still think there's so much more that needs to be done in order for us to really get rid of that stigma that if you're not working fast you're getting nothing done um so yeah and i think that's yeah i never i didn't really think of it like that um but um just taking it back to your personal journey so far um what's kept you going and what's inspired you to to get down this route uh, has it been your parents was it uh, your experience in india what's what's that thing uh, yeah my experience in india was really really formative and like i i still think yoga has completely changed the way that well it has it's changed the way that i think the way that i act the way that i do things it helps me put things into perspective um it didn't always have that um on me like I've, that's taken a time for me to really see that develop um but also as i've got older i have learned to love and my, respect my culture more than perhaps i did when i was younger and you kind of you you kind of 
you you do look yourself at Indian cultures and traditions being weird and odd when you're younger because you're kind of standing out against the rest of your friends. And as I get older, I respect that more and I absolutely mm. love that. Um, and knowing the true root of yoga, I feel like it's a duty as a teacher. Yeah. And also as a student of yoga, like there's so much for me to learn. Sometimes I feel I haven't even scratched the surface. I'll always be a student of yoga. And, but all the different practices I've had different benefits and the different rituals that I've learned that continually inspire me. I want to pass on that to the people that I teach. Um, and I, I honestly love teaching. It's a joy seeing people have that breakthrough and feel the incredible powers of yoga that I have felt and that yeah. many others across the world have felt and why it's been such a, a practice that's been going on for all of these different years. So I think it's it's important. I want to teach yoga respectfully. I want to bring it back to the roots as much as I can and to ensure people know that it's their own practice. Like we said earlier, um, respect yourself and, and respect the truth of yoga. You know, don't go with how it looks. Don't compare yourself to others. Go with how you feel. And when people do that, they actually start to enjoy the practice, which is the most important thing. Why are you doing something you're not even enjoying? You know, you may yeah. as well actually just let it be and enjoy and go with the flow. If you can't do, if you can't do something in particular within a class, that's okay. You don't, you don't need to force yourself to do so. Yeah. And for some of us um, that are wanting to start but don't know how to, what would be your tips or just getting started and trying it? I think, I mean, I'm the kind of person that, and I think a lot of people need to understand the why. Like, why would they do it? Um, so just to talk about some of the benefits of yoga, which are just mind-blowing, and I definitely still haven't got my head around a lot of them. Yeah. Um, but now there are so many studies which show all of the benefits and scientifically prove them. And I think when people have the science behind it, it helps them know that actually yeah this is something that is really good for me let me just give it a try so um if you're someone who has racing thoughts in your head and you really struggle to slow down you probably think meditation is not something i can do or i'd be really bad at yoga but it's a fantastic way to de-excite your mind from all of those thoughts so mm -hmm. if you have a mind that's like that which many of us do as we were saying earlier you're always doing 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 you are going to be a lot more focused if you spend that time slowing down a little bit, um, it helps you find stillness, you'll feel more balanced, you sleep better, all of your organs will function better, um, you'll see an improvement in your memory, it helps you lower your blood pressure so you'll feel mm -hmm. less stressed, you, you physically are stronger because of course there are physical elements to the posture, um, so you do become stronger, you do become more flexible. Yeah. But there are just so many incredible facts now that are scientifically proven um, as to how the practice detoxifies your whole body. And um, it's just so great for you and makes you feel great. And I think if you if you know that and you understand that, it stops you from thinking that it's this weird woo-woo practice that you don't get and that, you, that you'll always not really understand. So I think that's one thing, understanding the benefits. And I think then the other thing is, and I take it back to what I said earlier around people telling me, oh, but I'm really bad at it because I'm not flexible at all. Yeah. Um, that's often one of the first things people say. 
Like if you have that mindset on anything in life, you're automatically putting negativity on it and you're making it so hard for yourself to even start because you're already telling yourself I'm going to be crap at it. Um, so just try it out. Don't put any pressure on yourself. Go with an open mind and try and enjoy yourself. Don't take it so seriously because I think that's where people fall down. Yeah, and it's and it's more accessible than ever, I guess, it, with it now being also the option of having it online and practicing it whenever you have time. Because I think one excuse was, well, I don't have time to attend. Mm. Um, it doesn't fit around my schedule. But even if it's a few minutes in, in the day, that can have a huge impact um, on, I guess, just on everything. Um, and I don't, and I, and I did, I used to do yoga quite a lot and I stopped because I got so busy with work. Um, but I find it really difficult to get back into it, but I want to. Mm. Um, so would you recommend even, even having like 10 minutes in the day to make that time? Yeah, 100%. And I've actually struggled with this as well, with fitness classes and also with yoga. Why do we have this mentality that you, you, don't, you have to do a one hour class? Yeah. Because, because then you have a really busy day at work and then you're really tired and you need to eat and then you need to go to bed and you know, do other things. And so you don't prioritize it because you can't find that one hour slot or even that 45 minute slot. But there are benefits, huge benefits to just spending 20 minutes a day, maybe even 10, you know, maybe even two minutes in silence, in stillness, you know, doing a few breathing exercises that you like, um, even just coming into child's pose, which is quite a basic restorative posture that really calms you also quite deep stretch through the hips and through the whole body, really extend the arm forwards. And there's a lot of simple postures that you can do that will not take too much time so i think if you want to get back into it and you're scared a one hour class can seem so daunting just go with uh yeah a 10 minute quick flow because then you're more likely to get back into it and you're more likely to stick to it as well yeah no thank you i think yeah i think it's just a mindset i guess just trying to trying to get it done um in the beginning um but yeah thank you so much angie for for speaking to us um and for reaching out to us. Um, is, it, is there a link I can share? Or are you doing any online classes at the moment? Yeah, so I'm doing, I'm doing online weekly classes, which again, I would say to anyone, um, mm -hmm. get involved with doing it online while you're at home because it takes away the element of the ego comparing yourself to the person next to you. You, know, you don't need to have your video on. Uh, so you can keep that off and then you don't need to worry if you're falling all over your mat and you can't find your balance. Um, so it's all kind of run through my Instagram um, and then I use a video tool to actually hold, hold the class. No one has their video on, like I said, but I will have mine on so that you can follow what I'm doing if you need to look up and see. Um, okay. so I run them every weekend and then I also do one-to-one -one classes for anyone who um, wants to reach out and do them. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah. Perfect. So I will definitely share that link um, when we release the podcast. Um, but yeah, thank you so much again for for just joining us today and speaking about it. It's it's so interesting, and I never saw, uh, I guess, the impact of colonialization on yoga, mm. um, and how much, I guess, it's been diluted to what it is today um, in the world, Western world that we live in. Um, but yeah, we'll definitely keep in touch um, and hear more about what you're doing. Yeah, definitely. And thank you so much, Indy, for um, okay. with me. Um, and yeah, if you have any other questions, then feel free to let me know and get in touch. I will. Thank you.
Thank you so much for listening and for supporting our journey so far. I actually really haven't had the time to take a step back and reflect on our journey as a podcast and as a platform. It's been so humbling and inspiring to listen to so many amazing stories of South Asian women who are truly creating change within their communities and are raising awareness about issues that impact them on a day-to-day basis. We just want to say a huge thank you for letting us be part of that journey and for trusting us with your story. We aim to bring you even more stories of South Asian women who are creating change in so many ways. And thank you for supporting and listening to us. Stay safe and take care.